podcast that brings you one guest, one question, one answer. Business insights in minutes, not hours. With your host, the small business and franchise expert, Gary Okio Grosso. Hello again, and welcome to another edition of Mastermind Minutes. My name is Gary Okigrosso. I'm the managing partner for Franchise Growth Solutions and the publisher of FranchiseMoneyMaker.com. For those of you not familiar with Mastermind Minutes, which is here on Social Geek Radio, uh, it's a very simple concept. We have one guest, we ask one question, we get one expert answer, and we do it in minutes, not hours. Of course, as we say, we always recognize that that can be a bit of a tease. So at the end of the program, our guests will give their contact information. The contact information will be listed in the bio of the webcast or the podcast. So if you want more information, uh, you can always contact our guests or get in touch through their, their website and learn more about what it is that they do. So today, our guest is Michael Logan. And Micah began his career as a personal trainer in 2003, which is interesting because you don't look that old. Uh, over the last 17 plus years, uh, he's not only worked with hundreds of clients and trained more than 20,000 hours, uh, he's also built one of Boston's most reputable fitness and wellness companies. In 2020, Micah decided to franchise his small group personal training studio concept and launched it in 2021, so it's very recent. Uh, it's called Meld Fitness Plus Wellness. And uh, Micah has built uh, an excellent reputation as a business owner, entrepreneur, and small business consultant, which was actually reflected in his training facility being awarded the prestigious Boston A-list top five personal trainers and was honored as number one rated fitness company in Massachusetts by top rated local for customer service. So those are pretty lofty there, but um, Michael will tell us more about it. And I realize that's kind of a short bio. So before we get into our question, first of all, Micah, thank you very much for being with us today. I truly appreciate it. Uh, tell us a little bit more about you, about Meld and what's going on, and then we'll get into our question. I can start with a dark stormy night if you like. Okay. I can, I can give you a simplified version. <laughs> um, so a uh, little bit about myself. Look, I was born and raised in the city. I am a city kid at heart. And I honestly grew up just like most other people without any business mentors or anyone to guide me and show me, hey, look, you need to do this for your business. Um, and so over the years, I just kind of put my nose down and, and grinded. This is something that I believe is missing today. Um, and I slowly went from being a staff, a staff trainer to getting my uniform dirty, hands and knees, scrubbing treadmills, elliptical machines, things like that, to, to eventually building, uh, building a, a company that would ultimately end up failing in my first location because I was uneducated and undercapitalized. And so from that, I got educated. And I always bring up the quote from Thomas Sowell, the economist, which I love, which mm. is, um, it takes a an immense amount of knowledge to understand the extent of your own ignorance. And to me, that meant that I had to get to a place because I felt like I was so far behind everyone else to learn as much as I could, just to get to the point where I could ask the question, what don't I know? So I can then go learn it and then become better at that. And so after I started paying for more like education and embarking on this journey, I went back and I opened up uh, additional concepts and which led me ultimately to, to meld in the concept that we're at, uh, at presently. 
And over the years, I've been a, I've been really fortunate to be able to actually have you know, conversations with individuals who were the best of the best in, in our fitness industry, thought leaders, people who would guide me, people who I'm friends with now, who I share stages with at conferences now, and to the point now where I started the franchise in 2021, because I, I found a way to uncomplicate the fitness business. There's so many fitness businesses out there that are just complicated because of capacity issues, because of square footage issues, uh, because of member attrition and uh, issues, because of uh, revenue issues. I, I dialed that formula in to something so simple to operate that anyone can do it. And I think it's something that's even uh, really appealing to, to people who are uh, institutional as well. Well, that's, first of all, let me say, um, you are, you, you are quoting one of my all-time favorite people, Thomas Sowell. I mean, I just, you know, there isn't enough that we could all learn, uh, from him. And, and the other, the other thing that you mentioned, and it kind of goes, reminds me of something that I, that I usually say, you have to fail your way sometimes into success. So you open something, it didn't work out, but you learned from it and you, and you moved on. And, and the other piece there that you said in your opening about, you know, you uncomplicated the fitness business, which, you know, reminds me of something, I believe it was Seth Godin wrote, um, you know, about what is, what is genius. And, you know, people always think genius is some kind of lofty, you know, Albert Einstein, or, you know, I don't know, Bill Gates or somebody that's like inventing something, but, but genius is very simple. It's being able to recognize what people are stuck on and unstick them. And um, that, you know, we'll learn more about that uh, as, as we continue with, with this conversation about Mel, uh, because that sounds like what you've been doing. So let's get into the question, because this is all kind of commingled here. And uh, I think that's good. And, uh, you know, I, I mentioned in the intro here that you just launched Meld in 2021. And as a franchise development person myself, I, I know that doesn't just happen overnight. Um, there are, there's a process, you know, sometimes, sometimes we tell folks, you know, just getting through writing the manuals and putting the collateral can take seven, eight, nine months. And that's assuming that we can have, you know, some serious time to make sure we understand this. So, so I know it, it may have launched in 2021, but you're probably working on this for years, if, if, if not for a whole bunch of months, at least for years. So one of the things that is intriguing to me uh, as a franchisor and a franchise developer, especially uh, since we, we, we focus on startup and emerging brands, that's what we do. Um, you know, a big piece to the puzzle, for the lack of a, of a better term, is putting together a great team. Um, you know, as a franchisor, you know, you recognize you can't do it all on your own. So right. how do you, I guess the question here, what we want to do is how do you build a, a, not just a great team, not just a great team. How do you build a trusted team? Cause I think you can't get to greatness if the people on the team aren't trusted. Okay. So right. how do you build a trusted team and what would you look out for? I mean, you know, you can talk about your experience or just in general, what you believe, but again, Trust building a trusted team to launch a franchise brand and what should franchisors or people considering becoming a franchisor be thinking about in terms of what to watch out for? Well, I'm a big fan of reverse engineering uh, everything that I do, because I think that that approach, reverse engineering approach actually helps you to understand the, the fundamentals, because what happens is 
the higher the level of sophistication in business and the further, the longer you've been in the business or longer you've been doing something, the, the lower your ability to relate to the, uh, to the, the most ordinary and basic common denominator is. So one of the things I thought was, if I'm a franchisee spending my money, my hard-earned money, maybe it's retirement money, that matters. Uh, what also matters is the fact that individuals are going to put their life savings on the line. So what kind of support, what kind of support would I want or need in a franchise to actually be successful? And what would I be looking for from a franchise or to be successful? And so I thought about first who I believe could deliver that level of quality um, care to a franchisee. And then I thought, would this person, does this person, do I trust this person with my, would I trust this person with my business? And, and, and so what ended up happening was, is as I was putting together the franchise, the problem with entering the franchise domain um, in some respects is that there is no one, there's the IFA, yes, and they do a good job, but there's no really one channel of, this is a trustworthy source, trustworthy source, this is not a trustworthy source. So what do you do? So you, I shut my mouth and I just kind of kept my ears open and I, I kind of asked questions and I used my common sense. That was really the best way to do it. Uh, frankly, you know, Gary, I, I came across a lot of your videos on YouTube. I told you this in our, our pre-show discussion. I thought they were very helpful. It helped me build uh, no, no like and trust factor with you. But also I was able to go to things like franchise attorneys um, and ask them who they heard were trustworthy. And you would think on some level that an, an attorney who swore themselves to be, to uphold uh, integrity and professionalism would give you some worthy and ethical recommendations. So I have, I had two guiding lights. So I was looking for ethical individuals um, that were interested in, in uh, helping me grow as a franchisor. And then secondly, I was, I was interested in someone who was, who would ultimately be able to work well with franchisees and, and help out on that level as well. Um, so that's what I look for in both support partners for franchisees now, but also and primarily that's what I look for with people to help me grow in the, in the franchise industry. And I have, I've been able through clubhouse and then just engagement and interaction uh, through LinkedIn to build relationships with people who I've never had relationships before. This, that's what social media is actually for is building these connecting and building these relationships. I think that's the proper use of social media when you can establish com, you know, commonality relationships with individuals uh, based off a common bond. And then once you do your investigation on them, then you kind of slowly build that into uh, something a little different. So in, in building your team, who right now, who do you have on your franchise team that's, you know, helping you? And I realize some of them may be outsourced, like, like an attorney, for example, what would be those kind of job titles, if you will? So uh, a friend of mine who was, uh, who has spent over 30 years in support. Um, now she hasn't spent 30 years in franchise support. But to me, support, whether it's in franchising or any other domain, is the same because yeah. it 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 really goes to how much do you care about the person that you're supporting. Mm -hmm. So I actually basically I what I found is if you can define all the terms that relate to the franchise industry for a person with specific domain experience, they can give you gold. They can give you absolute gold. And so so she is helping me with um, uh, franchise support uh, on a VP level, um, but she's not in franchising. But I think that her aptitude and her ability and her goal 
go for supporting are exactly in line with other franchise. When I, when I've read like Shelly son's book, mm-hmm. right? Like they're exactly in line with how a franchisee should be supported. So there's that. Right. Um, I have a, I have a franchise attorney that we work with, of course. Um, I have a, a franchise advisor. Some of them are franchisors who are doing it themselves. Some of them are actually franchise consultants like yourself, development individuals uh, who have experience. We have some common, um, some common, common uh, relationships, um, professional relationships. And so, um, so I have a small group of people who I, I advise with and who I ask questions to. And then in terms of actually delivering support and on a franchise level, we have the individuals who are, who have partnered with me to, um, to deliver what we deliver in our corporate locations are the ones who make up the rest of the support team and they do a fit, fabulous job. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the funny thing is, unless you ask, you don't get an answer, right? So it wasn't until I asked whether or not they, they knew how to support a franchise that I realized that all of my, all of my, uh, my support team was already supporting franchises. So they had, they had already had institutional knowledge, but that really has helped me out as well. That helped me kind of round out the team. So I have, I have advisors now, a small group of advisors. I have individuals to help support the franchisees. Um, and I have individuals to help support me as well. Right. And that, and that is the nucleus of the, of, of a team. And I agree with you. Um, the fact that someone may not have the nuts and bolts of mm-hmm. franchising uh, under their belt or on their resume uh, should not prevent them from being an excellent uh, support person, operation support, because look, the truth is if you're in franchise operational support in a food business and then you switch jobs and maybe now you become the operational support for a franchise that's in, I don't know, home health care. You might not know the nuts and bolts of home health care, but the skills or the qualities, really, not the skills so much, the qualities right. that transfer where you care about your client, in that case, the franchisee, um, that you want to help them make money and you want to help them be successful. And it's interesting because when people talk about customer service or support for the, their, their, their franchises, they're really talking about customer service because as a franchisor, you need to think of your franchisees as your customers. Those are the people who have paid you for not only an initial service of helping them get set up and use of the system, but also that ongoing support that you're going to give them to help them grow their business. So I think that's key. Um, Let's kind of let's let's maybe flip the coin a little bit because I talk to a lot of folks who launch a business, and um, you know there's always the A side and the B side, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, so, what are some of the things that maybe you've experienced, or maybe not? Maybe you've heard stories uh, that someone in your position several months ago or a year ago, when you were launching this, what are some of the things, the pitfalls that? an individual wanting to get involved in franchising, what should they be aware of? Yeah. So I think that there's a reason why old tested sayings are old and tested because they have typically come to bear on some level. I think that when people offer you something that seems too good to be true, it probably is. And if it's not exactly too good to be true, it's probably likely um, not exactly true. So, so, the, the, so there's that piece too. <laughs> and um, so I think that like one of the things as you're, as a person's deciding whether to delve into franchising or they're new, the first thing that they should do is ask about the experience and dig deep 
And so if one of you have to be as a franchisor, you're often the expert in the domain that you're in, but you're not necessarily an expert in, in franchising yourself. However, the skills that make you the best at what you do as a business owner, man or woman in franchising still apply to franchising. So the questions that you would ask to validate someone uh, as a partner in doing business with you outside of franchising still matter when you're actually vetting people to work with you in franchising. So like, as an example, do they have a resume? What is their resume? Do they have people that are willing to say good things about them? Is it only one? Did they, did they give you a client list and tell you to call them? Or did they direct your attention to a specific um, customer that you should call? Is that the only one? Are there, how old are their reviews? Do they have reviews from the last three months? Or are their reviews seven years old? Does it look like the review is actually a genuine review or has it been, does it look like it's been written? Is there like a pattern of how reviews have been written on their website? Is there any social proof to what they've done in the industry? And are they, everyone can call themselves as great as they want to be, but are they a thought leader? Do they write blogs? Do they, do they have content out there that you can actually verify that they know what they're talking about? And do people call them for their expertise? Those things are things that I think that are, they're common sense now because you hear me saying them, but people gloss over those things when they're coming into franchising. And I think that common sense should prevail. It's just about, it's about doing the things that you do in a business sense prior to getting into franchising and just continuing those habits over into franchising. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, let me tell you, you're preaching to the choir. I absolutely <laughs> love what you just said because it's true. I mean, uh, the unfortunate there, the unfortunate part of our business uh, on the development side um, is, you know, folks wanting to get into franchising, as you said, they may be expert in their domain. You know, if I own a pizza franchise, we do a lot of restaurants. So mm-hmm. if we, if, if I owned a pizza franchise, I might be, I may understand how to make pizzas and how to run a pizza business, but I don't necessarily know how to run a pizza franchise business, nor, nor I may, uh, I may not, I should say, or uh, I, I may <laughs> not understand how to, scale my business, meaning take my successful pizza business and create systems that are going that I'm unaware of because it's not what I do or have done up to that point and create systems that are going to allow it to scale. And we have unfortunately had clients, I say unfortunately, because it's cost them money. Um, we, we've actually had clients where we've had to rewrite parts of their manuals, in some case, their entire manuals um, on the FSO side, on the franchise sales side. Uh, kind of unravel messes that have been created. Um, and, and, and most of it is, is because, as you said, you know, it's, it's, hard to, it's hard to know what you don't know. You have to learn what you don't know so that you can right. ask the right questions. As you, as you point out, I mean, I think experience is important. Um, I, you know, it's funny you mentioned references because we get this all the time. We send out a reference list Mm-hmm. of current and past clients. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we will say, well, yeah, I called that guy and he told me that he doesn't, he's no longer your client. Why would you send me somebody who's no longer your client? Now I'll say, well, well, what did he say? He said, 
oh, he loves you guys. Like you got him off, you know, you got him off to a good start mm-hmm. and then he kind of took over. So like the, you did what you did and it kind of right. separated. So, so yep. for us, when, a, when a consultant, I'll just, you know, use myself, but if a consultant or an advisor can talk to you and tell you, Hey, talk to everyone that we've ever done business with. And I preframe it by saying, I want you to hear the good, the bad, and the ugly. Cause anybody that's yep. like perfect, I don't know anyone on the planet today that's perfect. And yet right. I see a lot of that. So right. you're saying, um, as you started your answer, you said, you know, if it's too good to be true, it, it's probably not true or not completely true. And I, I agree a hundred percent. What particular areas, I mean, are we talking about things like uh, legal setup, manuals, uh, mm-hmm. website development, sales, or is it check, 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 check? What, what's been your experience? So, so let me answer that question by saying this. In 2005, uh, since 2005, when I was building my business and I closed my first business because I was under, undereducated and undercapitalized, when I decided to, to start getting reeducated and, and I, I used to fly to the West Coast to go training, to go to seminars and training, and I was reading more and stuff like that, I started then putting together my operations manual. So whenever I had an eight hour, you know, long haul flight, eight hours, nothing else to do, but jump on my laptop and start writing. Mm -hmm. I did that for over a decade, probably close to 15 years. You cannot hire someone to write an operations manual for you with expertise and think that you're going to pay five bucks for it and get the best manual that you're ever going to get. And that it's going to actually matter to your business. It takes time, years and expertise to understand exactly what, should go in there as a system. You know, um, there's that story about Picasso. Someone asked him to draw on a napkin, right? Say, hey, can you draw me something on the napkin? They were in, and she, he was sitting in a cafe. This woman asked him uh, to draw on the cocktail napkin. Hey, can you, can you draw on the cocktail, cocktail napkin? He scribbled something on the napkin. She looked at it and, she's, and she said, what, what is this? He goes, um, you know, that's, that's my drawing. And he goes, that'd be 30,000, you know, $30,000. She goes, $30,000, you only, it took you 30 seconds to draw it. He goes, no, it took me 30 years to draw it in 30 seconds. Experience matters. <laughs> um, huh. And ultimately, at the end of the day, like, you know, for me, for you, for anyone else who's put together an operations manual, um, the person doesn't necessarily have to be the, the, the most expensive, but you shouldn't go to the cheapest because the cheapest is is a red flag as well. Um, if it's not being driven by technology, if it's, if it's, you know, one dude in the attic who's saying that they can do this, like you better be care- You better be careful because, you know, you can end up getting screwed by that. You, you, re- you really do need expertise. So someone who has a, a track record, someone who can define a process for you, their process. I don't like, I think that people who say I can write a manual for you, but they don't have a process for how they're going to deliver that manual means that they don't know how to put the, a process together. Yeah, yeah, You don't even have a process on how you're going to deliver my deliverables. So yeah. how are you going to help me create the process? <laughs> no, you're, you're again, spot on when, you know, for us, when, when we tell a client, it, it will take six, seven, eight months to write the manual. They think that's a long time, but the, the amount of time, and you said, you know, you work 10, 15 years writing it. The, the key is, well, there's two keys. Number one, you can't run a business, a franchise development business, and just have boilerplate and change names 
we'll change the company's name and deliver it to the franchisor. Okay, we see that all the time. I mean, I've got I've gone through some of my clients' manuals that are in. Uh, you know, retail businesses, and there's verbiage in there about burritos, because that's the last thing they did. And they just, you know, so templates don't work. The idea is how like my partner, Fred, he will spend hours, it's it's about getting the information out of Mm -hmm. your head, or what you've already written down into a format. And I think Mm -hmm. format is key. You Mm -hmm. have to have a format that's teachable, reliable, Mm -hmm. that you can update, um, yep. that, that people are willing to use, you know, you could have, I told you earlier, uh, before we started the show, you know, 40 years ago, I was in the donut business. And of course this was all before digital. And they handed me a manual that looked like the yellow pages from Manhattan. <laughs> and it sat up on the shelf in the office. Don't date yourself, used, Gary. We, we never used it. We never use. Well, I yeah. have to date myself because no one else would at this point. Um, uh, we 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 just it was just sitting on the shelf. That was right. we like never used it. It was like you had to like it was like the manifest on a steamship, like trying to find things. So they have to be usable. Right. Um, they have yeah. to be they have to be compliant. You know, mm-hmm. I read manuals sometimes where the writer of the manual is giving the franchisor writing HR stuff in there. And then not having the attorney review it. And we all know what a big problem, you know, co-employer, the concept of co-employer between franchisor, franchisee, and the franchisee's employer has become in the last couple of years. You can't be writing a manual that puts the franchisor at risk of being um, classified as a co-employer if one of their employees sues them. So there's just so much going on and it changes all the time. So I hear you. Uh, Look with those templates and. Good luck with those templates in California, Maryland, or New York. <laughs> yeah, I'm right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I got, well, we we reviewed, um, my partner actually reviewed the operations manual that was written for a brand that we haven't, we're not doing business with them yet. We're still in the, I won't bore you, but we have a very long discovery process before we take a client on. Anyway, the entire manual was 19 pages. And this was for a food concept. And my partner mm-hmm. said, forget this. This is ridiculous. If this guy thinks it, first of all, if you paid for it, I feel sorry for him. But if he, if he thinks this is what an operations manual right. is, we're going to have difficulty like convincing him otherwise. Anyway, so so certainly asking, I just want to kind of sum this up. I don't want to go too long here, but summing this up in terms of building a trusted team, you're looking for qualities Yes. that people have that are transferable into particular skill sets that you can teach in franchising. It's just nuts and bolts. Okay. Mm-hmm. I tell people all the time, yeah, we're franchising, you know, we're not curing cancer over here. It's not that complicated. Right. Okay. Right. So you really are looking for, for skill, uh, for qualities and you train for skills on the, what to look out for obviously are folks that maybe don't have a lot of experience or can't quantify you know, people, I always, I'm always wary of people. Oh yeah, we've sold hundreds. Well, can you give me an exact number? <laughs> oh, it's hundreds. Okay. That, right. that I have a problem with that. People right. who uh, I call it steering mm-hmm. where they take the client and they steer them towards references instead of saying, mm-hmm. Hey, here's everyone that I've ever worked with and other people in the industry, knock yourself out. Mm-hmm. Um, that's going to be helpful. So I think that kind of sums up um, what we've been talking about in terms of building a trusted team, what to watch out for. Any one last tidbit you want to put it's, on it's top funny. here? It's funny that you're saying that because like, there's, so I, I just got certified in body language tactics because, uh, you know, I was in what? 
body language tactics. Like oh, body, body language, language tactics. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, to me, I'm, I'm a bit of a nerd when it comes to that stuff. And, um, you know, I went to school for, started going to school for psychology before I got derailed into fitness, which I love. But um, one of the things that they say when a person's being deceptive, because they don't, they can't, reading body language is not saying whether or not a person's lying or being truthful. It's about saying whether or not a person's being deceptive, right? Mm-hmm. Is that one of the things that you look for when, when a person's being deceptive is uh, it's like, when they're explaining something like you said about your experience um they give you like the, the scatter shot you know when the um you probably seen in the movies when there's like a incoming rocket and the plane releases the uh, flares to yeah. um to make the rocket explode right well, that's what people do when they're being willfully deceptive you ask them a simple question and then they they give you all this this scatter shot of information that's that's barely relatable to what you asked them. Yep. And you have to ask the question again. That's kind of how you know, you know. But oftentimes that's what happens when you talk <laughs> to someone in the franchise business. You ask them a direct question about something that you want to know, and it's just like, well, you know, I have I have twenty years, twenty five years experience doing this and that and that and that. That's the scatter shot. That's how you know that the person is not being deceptive because they're not actually answering your questions. So yeah. I thought I would yeah. throw that out there, but no, you know. no, I love it. It's, it's interesting <laughs> you say that because I, one time I had a, a client, uh, well, a potential client at that point say to me, he said, so have you ever taken a brand to a thousand units? And I said, no, I haven't. And he said, oh, well, I I'm thinking I should be working with someone. And I said, well, well, wait a minute. Now you asked me a question. I gave you a direct answer, but let me tell you like this, the back piece to that. I'm the guy that helps you build the brand to a certain level where the guy or the woman who can get you to a thousand units becomes interested because right Right. now they're not interested (laughs) in a startup. So I think you can, I think if you're selling, whether you're mm-hmm. selling yourself or selling your services, I think there's plenty of time yep. to sell or decorate in the, in the most positive way, the That's answer right. to the question, mm-hmm. but to be authentic mm-hmm. and sincere, you have to first answer the question because yeah. if you don't, a perceptive individual like yourself is not listening to what you're saying because they're fixated on the fact that, dude, you haven't mm-hmm. answered the question. That's but right. if I answer the question and then tell you why I answered it that way, you're more mm-hmm. likely to embrace it. 100%. And, and again, that's just communication skills. And I find that, you know, for me, when I'm wanting to bring a client on, if they're terrible communicators or not good communicators, I know I'm going to have some work cut out for me because they may not be able to communicate with the potential franchisee coming on board. Mm-hmm which could inhibit the sale, which directly impacts us financially. But more importantly, when that person comes on board, how are they going to communicate with that franchisee and be authentic and sincere and open and transparent? Because that's really what it takes. So, so again, I'm, I'm kind of recapping here now. So we're talking about find people with great qualities, Mm -hmm. ask the right questions, make sure they got experience and make sure they answer your question the first time you ask it and not yeah. the third time you ask it. So that's great. Yeah. Uh, that's so, right. And it's like, oh, by the way, dude, uh, statistically, number one, you're probably not going to be a majority owner by the time you get to a thousand locations. And number two, you're probably not going to be there either. Well, that's a whole nother conversation. <laughs> no, that's a, listen, we can do a whole nother podcast on that because sometimes, <laughs> uh, you know, I tell people my partner and he was he was just 
beating me over the head today about something that I had said the other day, um, you know, because I, I tell folks all the time, look, there's two things I want you to know. Number one, don't take my New York attitude as like anything other than that's my New York attitude. OK. Right. Uh, and number two, I need you to understand that I make my living telling people what they don't necessarily want to hear. And mm -hmm. I can't do it any other way, because if I did, in many cases, I'd be lying, outright right. lying. If I were to tell you, you can launch a franchise business with no money, not spend mm -hmm. any money on leads, that anyone that's ever walked into your store that said, oh, is this a franchise? Let me know if it is, is going to be a buyer. Um, and quite honestly, you do have a beautiful baby, but it's not the most beautiful baby in the beauty contest. And there are other babies in the, <laughs> in the franchising beauty contest and they're all yeah. beautiful. So yeah. you got to get real. And yeah. the last thing I, I ever want to do is take on a client where I haven't properly managed their expectation. Mm -hmm. And that's key because if a, if a franchisor has an expectation of, yeah, oh, I'm going to sell a hundred units the first year. Mm -hmm. Then my question is really, how are you going to service a hundred franchisees? So, so yeah. if I can't have a decent conversation about them, if they're all pie in the sky, waiting to jump off the cliff and figure out how to build a parachute on the way down, mm -hmm. I'm really not that interested. And I think that, that any, consultant that's dealing with a wannabe franchisor that is coming off and just agreeing with everything the client is saying is just looking to get a gig. And yeah. uh, I think that's not the best way to do it. I'm not going to, I'm not a judge. I'm a witness. So mm -hmm. I can't say it's the right, wrong, whatever. I'll just say it's not the way we do it. So, okay, enough of that. I'm getting off my soapbox now. Um, let me just uh, ask you, um, uh, Micah, if people want to reach you or learn more about MELD, how do they do that? Yeah, so they can go, uh, there's two ways. Um, uh, so the first way is to, to go to the website, uh, the franchise website, which is www.meld, M-E-L-D, franchise.com. That's meld, M-E-L-D, franchise.com. Or you can reach out at info at meldfranchise.com. And that email will find its way to me, info at meldfranchise.com. And just let me know that you heard me on uh, the, the podcast with, with you, Gary. Okay, that's terrific. And, and again, you know, for those of you listening, as if, if you follow the, the podcast, you know, in the bio of the podcast on Social Geek Radio, or we amplify it on LinkedIn, we always put all those links in there. So you can just, uh, just use those links, and it'll take you where you need to go. Um, my guest today has is Michael Logan. And um, I can't thank you enough, really. I mean, great insights, because you're a new franchisor. And I think, you know, that's, there's something about, you know, I, I tell folks, you know, when you're new at it, you're not tainted, so to speak. Um, right. You know, you're just kind of really looking at it with fresh eyes. You may have, you may be a bit tainted if you had some experiences, but, <laughs> but at the end of the day, it's still, it's fresh eyes. Yeah, and I is, think yeah. for people who are thinking about franchising their business, um, certainly connect uh, with Micah and, and, and learn uh, about the good, the bad, and the ugly uh, that he had to deal with. And, and a lot of people deal with as they fail their way into success, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And um, again, thank you so much for being with us. And I, are you, will you be at the springboard conference in Philadelphia at the end of this month? You know, the funny thing is I was just in Philly. I spend, I, I, I still work with a uh, professional athlete who lives in Philly. And so I travel back and forth. I was just, I actually just got back a couple of days ago. I plan on going to springboard, but I can't, I had another oh. commitment. 
Well, um, all right. There's always next year. It was on my radar. Yeah. But I'll there's, definitely be there next year. For there, sure. There's always next year. Well, yeah. again, uh, Micah, thank you very much. And uh, I look forward to joining you on your podcast soon. Yes. Yeah. No, I'm excited about that because that's long form. We could talk for like an hour. So that's going to be great. Okay. Great. <laughs> be well. Have Thanks, a great Gary. day. You too.